We're continuing our celebration of Century and Sesquicentennial Farms and Homes across the state of Wisconsin in 2023, brought to you courtesy of Compure Financial. Today, we're heading towards northeast Wisconsin, just outside of Green Bay, to visit with Carol O'Rourke Sheevers. She is uh, the gal that remembers it all from when she was a little girl. Her grandparents made their way from the Netherlands to the Wisconsin area. Carol, thanks for taking the time to join us. Tell me a little bit about how your farm got started. Tell me a little bit about who purchased it, where they came from, and maybe how it looked initially. Okay. Um, I never knew my grandparents. Uh, they were they were both deceased before I was born, basically. But um, uh, they arrived here in 1914, and they came from Holland. My great-uncle was a Norbertine priest, and he had come ahead of them. And, of course, the Norbertine Abbey is in De Pere. And my understanding is that he had something to do with the place they chose to live uh, because of the proximity to the Norbertines. My father always had a close relationship with the Norbertines because his uncle uh, took over that fathering role for him once my grandfather died. Sure. Uh, my, my grandfather died in 1921, so Dad was just a little um, short of 11 years old when he died. Mm. And so he never spoke much about his, his father because I don't think he had a lot of memories of him. Right, right. Um, I know that part of the land, they had to clear part of the land, and, uh, and they started out as dairy farmers. And we have records that show Dad, uh, Dad uh, Grandpa bought cattle in 1913, 19, uh, I'm sorry, 1915, 1916, about that time. Mm-hmm. So shortly after, after they got here, he started milking cows. Sure. Um, as I said, he got sick and he died in 1921. So um, my grandmother kept the land. She remarried shortly after. Uh, within a year or so, she remarried. She married a, a uh, widower with a couple of kids, and they lived here for a while. But they then moved to town, and Grandpa, uh, or my grandmother, uh, rented out the land, as far as we know. Uh-huh. But they held on to it. Okay. Yeah, so the uh, dairy ceased to operate at that time, I assume? I don't really know. Um, <laughs> I, was, I was born in 1952, so there weren't a lot of relatives who talked a lot about what had happened in those intervening years. Sure. I spoke to my older brother yesterday, and he, he didn't have any memory of it. Yeah. So he didn't know what really went on for those years. I, I suspect one of my dad's stepbrothers might have been here mm-hmm. they might have stayed when my grandmother moved to town so the bottom line is you still have it and that's the that's yes. the real feat after all of those <laughs> challenges isn't it exactly it is in 1942 my grandmother offered the farm she had three children and she said if somebody wanted it they had to buy the other two out and so my dad and mom were married by that time they were expecting their first child and so they opted to come back here and dad went full bore into a dairy Sure. At that time, Tell 1942. Me, how many were they milking in 1942? Tell me a little bit about what the farm looked like. Well, I know they didn't have electricity, and they did not have plumbing in the house. I suspect my mother moved quickly on that because <laughs> she was a city girl. <laughs> um, and again, my brothers don't have a lot of memory of that. They were very young children. By the time my sister was born in 48, they had electricity and they had plumbing. My. And like you said, mom would get on that if she was accustomed to that from town. Yes, absolutely. um, Um, She had 
she had to adapt. Yes, as many have. So then uh, they were dairying. How long? Tell me a little bit more about how that all progressed, Carol. Okay, that, that was the farm that I knew, a dairy farm. When I was a young child, my dad was marrying about, uh, milking about probably 25, 30 head. Mm-hmm. It eventually got to be a little bit more, um, maybe in the late, in the early 70s, up to 40 mm-hmm. head. Um, my, um, I was going to say, my dad also always had extra crops. You know, he cropped, my memory of him is that he also, he raised crops that weren't necessarily for the cattle, like uh, buckwheat. And oh. and he also raised um, oh, sweet corn and had contracts with canning companies to, to supplement the income nice. from the dairy. Nice. Um, I was number seven of eight children, so he had a lot of mouths to feed. Wow. <laughs> and so that's how they generated extra income. They had the milk and they had the contracts with canning companies and things like that sure. that they grew. Sure. And I can still remember him raising... Um, sweet corn for canning companies in Green Bay, and also peas, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, because there are a lot of canning companies around. That's right. Yes, that's exactly right. Now, tell me a little bit about the neighborhood, Carol. Do you remember? I mean, Oneida, just west of Green Bay, has changed a lot over the past couple decades. Uh, tell me a little bit about what you remember from the neighborhood. Oh, I grew up uh, in, a, in the 50s and the 60s. Everyone around here were farmers, and they all were all dairy farmers, and all of them had, Dad was probably a larger farmer with the 30, 30, 35 cows. You know, I remember the neighbors never had that many, but they all milked cows, um, all had pretty good-sized families for the most part. Um, I remember also that they all worked together. Uh, I remember very clearly that when I was about four years old, this would have been the, uh, the late 50s, mid-50s, they came and built a shed. You know, the neighbors helped each other build sheds and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I, that's one of the things I do remember. They shared equipment. Um, you know, Dad would clean grains, uh, oats, so that he could sell it to them for for seed, and mm-hmm. and in turn, they'd come and help him bail and things like that. Right, so right, right. There's what, a lot of cooperation. What, uh, what do you think your dad would have been most proud of if he was telling this story, Carol? Like you said, a lot of, obviously a gentleman that was paying attention to details when it came to making sure everybody got uh-huh. fed. What do you think he'd be most proud of? I think he'd be very proud of the fact that we're still here because many of the neighbors have sold off or they've retained the land but rented out. Um, our immediate neighbors are still, you know, the ones I grew up with are still here. But they no longer farm the land themselves. Mm-hmm. Other people do. I think he would be very proud that some or that I still live in the house I was raised in, mm-hmm. and that I hope to pass that on to Patty. <laughs> right. Right. Um, uh, I, I think that he would be proud that we were all successful. One of the things he was very keen on was that um, we all be educated, and um, so half of us got college degrees, and um, the others. My, all my siblings had very successful careers, whether they went to college or not. Yeah. Um, and I think he'd be proud of the grandchildren uh, that he knew but not well because he died in 88. Uh-huh. So, um, right, like so I think said. he'd be proud of all of that. Indeed, indeed. Tell me a little bit about technology on the farm, Carol. You know, if uh, he was milking 35 or so cows, uh, do you remember 
how he was milking those cows, like you said early on, no no electricity uh, meant that there had to be a transition as far as technology, maybe even from horses to tractors. Or tell me what you grew up and remember. Oh, um, well, I know Dad hated horses, <laughs> and so when they came back out here in '42, he bought he bought gas equipment, tractors, and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, he never he didn't like horses. I don't know if it was some childhood event or something, but he had no use for horses. And so uh, he made the transition to tractors and, and uh, as modern equipment as he could afford as soon as they came out here. Um, I remember, I think, I think they had a gas pump or something for milking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dad always, you know, I started being aware of that in the 50s, that he was always aware of cleanliness mm-hmm. and about keeping a high grade for the milk. Right, yep. Um, so we always AAA or whatever milk that that was essential to him. Sure. And so he he put in coolers, uh, got away from cans as soon as he could, uh, and used a, a cooler. Mm-hmm. And um, and we milked with with uh, the old surge milkers, you know. Oh, of course. <laughs> I remember them well. <laughs> yeah, because my brothers were all older and started to leave. We girls had to step in. There were four boys and then four girls, and so we girls had to step in. And I started milking cows when I was in about sixth grade, mm-hmm. and I milked day and night for until I went off to college. <laughs> do you remember, out of curiosity, do you remember where the milk went, where it was shipped it, to? The, uh, Morning Glory. Okay. Remember yes. that name? I do see Consolidated. that. <laughs> just it. You and I remember those names. A lot of other people <laughs> listening may not, but that's, yeah. that's again, a sign of uh, resilience that you're sticking around when some of these other companies have already merged. What else? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Any special events or activities that you remember on the farm, Carol, even maybe even since you've uh, kind of acquired some of the farm back? Well, I have to say that I'm very proud of the fact that my husband and I were married here mm-hmm. in the backyard. Uh, almost 20 years ago, um, and I think Patty's going to be married here in, Ju- in July, my niece. Nice. And um, so that's the, that's the one thing that comes up. Uh, we had family reunions here I, occasionally when my p- parents were alive. Mom came from a very large family, and she'd invite them all out, and we would have barbecues here sure. um, when I was a kid. Um, Tell me that's. The one tragic event, of course, is that, well, not so tragic is that uh, both of my parents died here when they they had terminal illnesses, and, and we brought them home, and they died here, which is what they wanted. Mm-hmm. And, of course, my, my brother was killed in a farm accident in 1997. Oh. Uh, so that's part of this story as well. Right. Right, right. Again, if you're just joining us, we're talking with Carol O'Rourke Shevers. She is just outside of Green Bay in Oneida, where they're celebrating more than 100 years of ownership of this uh, farm. Now, let's talk about the next generation, uh, Carol, because you mentioned that you have very, very consciously trying to be making plans to keep the land in the family, at least to a certain extent. Tell me about the plans. Well, um, my niece, Patty, who is my brother's daughter, uh, also grew up on this farm, and she lives next door. And as I said, they're going to get she and her fiance are going to be married in about a month or so. Um, she uh, she had a lot of great plans, and well, let me step back a little bit. My sister in law, after my brother's death, um, rented the land out, and then when 
she, Patty and her mother made some arrangements for the future, Patty decided that the best course was to put the land into a conservation program, uh, a restoration program. And so um, it was last planted in traditional crops about, I think we're into the fourth year now. And she and her partner um, planted wild wild flowers and prairie and um, a couple of thousand trees on the property. Mm-hmm. And they they did some scrapes so that wildlife um, will be attracted. We have geese geese um, on the pond outside our window here, um, all because she she made the decision to to put it into a conservation program instead of trying to make a living. Uh, off the farm. Sure, sure. Well, and like we said, it's still in the family, and it's doing it's, it's doing good for for uh, not only nature but for the community. Have Have you mm-hmm. heard from any of those neighbors now that uh, you're stepping up to get the century recognition, or any comments about uh, the prairie prairie restoration? How do they think about that? Well, <laughs> well, they're not all thrilled necessarily with the dandelions, but uh, they're gone now, so. <laughs> And, you know, I think that um, people like to see that the land isn't being developed. Right, yes. That it's not going to be, at least for the foreseeable future, it's not going to be a um, housing development or commercial development. So I think that's, that's, they're pleased about that. Excellent. Again, Carol O'Rourke Shevers along with us. Uh, their farm has been in that family for more than 100 years. She's just outside of Green Bay, about seven miles in the community of Oneida. Just one of the century farms and homes that we'll be recognizing during the 2023 Wisconsin State Fair. You can find out more about these stories and listen to others online at MidwestFarmReport.com. Just click under the Century Sesquicentennial Farm tabs. Again, these stories all made possible courtesy of our friends from Compure Financial. I'm Pam Yankee.